Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Uh, for today's podcast, we're kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Good morning, John. Good to be back. So, Alan, we've got a number of companies to discuss today. It's a busy week of earnings updates from companies here in the UK. So uh, we've got some big movers out there this morning on some real blue chip companies. So we're going to get into those in some detail. Uh, but before we do that, let's just you know set the scene really for these earnings because we're coming in and we're seeing... Uh, a raft of results from companies on the back of a decision by the Bank of England to keep rates on hold. We're, of course, seeing soaring inflation. And you know, one of the tools available to the central bank to fight that, given that they're expecting to see inflation go to 5%, is an increase in rates. But they did hold off on doing that, Alan, because they were looking at the economy and saying maybe it's not as strong as they'd like it to be and and possibly the inflation is transitory. But, you know, there's obviously, you know, that inflation there, the backdrop there, which is causing issues for households and, and businesses. I mean, Alan, do you think the, the Bank of England bottled it last week with the opportunity to hike rates? Uh, yeah, it's... It, we were talking about it, weren't we, when we last spoke here? And and uh, I think um, I think you had the you were of the opinion they were going to put them up by maybe a quarter or half of one percent. Um, I felt they'd stay put, and I think the rationale, uh, despite the fact, yes, we have the spectre of um, uh, climbing inflation in the background. I think the I think the issue of companies company furlough schemes ending. Uh, people going back to work and in some cases going back to a company that uh, has been decimated by the pandemic and um, they may not have a job to go back to. And of course, uh, just how severe and far reaching that will be uh, does remain to be seen. So I think probably uh, the Bank of England may well opt to raise interest rates um, at some point if inflation keeps pushing ahead. Um, But on on the evidence of what we're now seeing. I mean, the results from Marks and Spencer's today have, I think, really given the market a boost. Um, um, and also, of course, we're seeing, um, we, we saw, uh, we, we, we've seen set of results today from Weatherspoons, which um, I think uh, gives a very clear uh, picture of just how impactful the pandemic has been on their business. Um, other retailers like Halfords also see good set of results today, and we'll come to those shortly but i think the i think uh, i don't think they bottled it i think it was too soon to make that move and i think the reporting season now for retailers and leading companies will tell the government what it needs to know um will have some further data about uh, how companies are coping with the end of furlough schemes and obviously the any subsequent unemployment that's uh, generated as a result of those furlough schemes ending Indeed, indeed. And, you know, one of the, the big parts of the UK economy is, of course, the, the consumer. And, you know, with inflation 
rising. There are concerns that the consumer is going to have less spending power. So we actually have three stocks here today that we're going to discuss, which give a very good insight into the UK uh, consumer. You've you've mentioned them there, Alan, but let's let's get into it and let's start with Marks and Spencers. Currently looking at the price now, up fifteen point five percent on the day. Very good set of data uh, from them on their recent earnings, Alan. What was the, the main takeaways from that? Yeah, I, I mean, it really is. It's quite a significant share price move today because we're now at the uh, at the um, 2000, December two thousand nineteen, or, or the share price levels from December two thousand nineteen. And of course, really, the past five years, if you look at the five year chart, Marks and Spencer's, it hasn't been in terminal decline, but it's been a a company struggling to find direction um and i think uh, i think we're all agreed that the marks and spencers food offering is is there um is there has been their saving grace the the food shop is fantastic there but i mean what a set of results today completely blew expectations out of the water um it was guiding to a profit a pre-tax profits of 300 to 350 um and now it be- believes it's going to hit 500 million which is yeah, that's a big jump. I mean, that's a significant move up. Um, you know, pre-tax profits, uh, you know, up um, up sort of uh, to 187 million from 158 million previously, um, and uh, and just a really well, food sales up 10 and a half percent, and uh, online sales growth of 60 uh, percent. Um, uh, so it's it, it's it's been a really important period for the company it's also reduced its net debt to three and a half billion and that's a reduction of 22 percent on last year so um, not only is it coming out of the pandemic but it's uh, it's reducing its debt and it's uh, it's restructuring the business to make sure that um, you know it's, it's on track to continue and this isn't just a this isn't just a, 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 a surprise sort of um, improvement based on um, a, a, a particular anomaly, but certainly it looks as though they've got everything in place to um, to push forward. Um, but it's very confident about its prospects um, and uh, and uh, what they've what they've done with their stores. They've um, whilst you know um, historically it's been a it, it, it's staple. Uh, 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 clothing sales have been um, associated with suits and and smartware. It's now making more space for athletic leisure, uh, athletics and, and leisure gear, um, and also casual clothing as well. So um, it, it's really changed. Uh, it, it's really changed. And in fact, some of the some of the uh, pundits this morning are just looking at um, what could happen now if Marks and Spencers and Next merge together. Um, because Marks and Spencer's got a great food proposition, Next has got a very strong clothing proposition. But I mean, if the two came together, it could create a super retailer, um, which is a, a great thought. Whether, of course, that will happen or not uh, uh, is highly unlikely. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I think um, going back to what I said at the start, the shares are now at levels of uh, or pre pandemic levels, 2000, uh, 2019, December 2019, and um, looking set to to uh, to to push to push higher so this could be a real turning point for the company um and uh, yeah it, it, it's it's a really encouraging sign and i'm sure the bank of england will be noting this and seeing where the sales are being made and seeing uh, just the, the the amount of profit that the company's been able to generate um but 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 um, 
also a word of caution. I think as we go forward through Christmas and into into next year, um, it's at that stage that some of the um, the issues with the ending of the furlough schemes may start to bite. So great news, but you know, caution caution is the watchword. So with Marks and Spencer's, I mean, this is something that we've been watching for some years. It's a little bit like the Titanic heading towards yeah. the, the, the iceberg. You know, there's obviously a change in consumer habits to online. Um, you know, they had their their demographic that they were they were targeting, and it looked like they they were moving towards this, and it, and it looked like to be a disaster. And to some extent, it was a disaster. They had numerous attempts to turn the business around over the last decade. I mean, do you think these last set of figures from Marks and Spencer's Allen actually now represent that they are starting to shift their, their business and it, it's starting to come through in the figures? Or do you think that there's some element in these figures that it's a bounce back from the, the pandemic and people are probably going out and looking for a little bit more in the way of higher quality goods because they're not going out? Uh, you know, high quality food because they're not going out to, to restaurants. They haven't been able to, or maybe they don't want to. So, is this a bounce back from the pandemic, or is this a real shift in their underlying business? I think I think it's a bit of both. I think um, I think certainly the shift in the underlying business and the, the Marks and Spencer food offering now is their it's their most important uh, the most important division in the group because um, it, you know that they've you know Waitrose kind of occupied that spot, but Marks and Spencer's have absolutely eclipsed Waitrose in that area, and I think it's um, you know they've just they've positioned themselves perfectly. Um, you know, it's the go-to place. You know, certainly, certainly if if we're looking to, um, to 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 get some nice food for the weekend, Marks and Spencers will be top of the list because you know you just know you're going to find something special there, um, and that's what they've done so well. Um, so uh, it, we the trends do reflect, of course, the coming out of um, COVID, you know, the end of the pandemic, people getting back out and shopping. So um, whilst it's great, uh, yeah, I, I, I would sound, sound um, uh, some caution there. I think going forward, we don't quite know just how the, the ending of the furlough schemes will impact on sales going forward. But um, certainly the, the signs and the indications are very good. And of course, we're in, entering a strong period now in the run-up to Christmas um, but it will be probably the first, the first quarter, the first half of next year that I think will be the acid test for retailers like Marks and Spencer. Indeed, indeed, and that, and that's uh, you know the, the Christmas period is going to be quite interesting to see how consumers are taking the uh, the impacts of inflation and, and what that is doing to household spending. So, Alan, now let's touch on uh, another company which has had a positive result today halford you did mention them yep. earlier now now this is one actually that at the beginning of the the pandemic was was a real beneficiary because you know people were going out and they wanted to buy bikes and they were looking at you know outdoors activities because you know they weren't able to go to pubs and such like so they actually did quite well they obviously had a bit of a drop off uh, at the beginning of the pandemic with the, in line with the rest of the market but a very strong rally from from quite early on uh, we, we saw they went beneath a pound, now trading at £3.20, having been uh, in the last uh, few months above £4. But again, very strong reaction from the market today in terms of uh, the, sh- the share price move up 13.5%. Just um, just having a look here. 
What is what's driving this now, Alan? What's the uh, the, the big um, driver of of higher sales here? Well, interestingly, the the uh, the driver of higher sales is the uh, is the auto centres. So, Halford's auto centres, which of course, um, uh, you know, if you have a second hand car, and uh, you know, I think there there are well known issues with the um, with um, garages and small garages, and uh, you know, um, people getting ripped off. And I think what Halfords have done, they kind of bought. Um, a kind of McDonald's-esque service to it where, you know, what you see is what you get. It's menu servicing. You take it in. They'll, they'll fix your car. They'll, they'll service the car. And, and it's, you know, you've got a good brand name behind it. And I think the strategy there is very good. So, obviously, we you know, you've got Quickfit Auto Centers and other companies, you know, specializing in different parts. But just car servicing, you can now go somewhere, get your car serviced, and uh, there's a menu, and you know exactly how, how much you're going to pay. And I think people like that. And uh, so that's that's really driven sales. Sales are up 88, um, 88% in the first half of the year. Um, and cycling has also grown too, because obviously Halfords were huge on bikes um, uh, uh, during the pandemic. Um, but uh, there is, uh, the, the company has experienced supply chain disruption. But despite that, sale, cycle, cycle sales and servicing, uh, cycle servicing, uh, uh, revenues grew nearly nine percent. So you know that there's 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 a great performance there. Underlying pre-tax um, up ninety one percent from the same time last year, um, and um, you know compared to the the full year uh, last year, group revenue grew nearly nine percent. Un- uh, underlying pre-tax uh, pre-tax profits uh, grew nearly four percent. So um, you know a very a very strong performance uh, is going to pay an interim dividend of 3p um and also looking forward the company said it's seen that sales momentum from the from the uh, first half of the year continue into the second half um and they are confident that they can navigate the supply chain issues um and uh, and and maintain the sort of numbers that they're producing uh, at the moment and th- there's been no there's been no real warning sound at all. They're very confident of what they're doing, um, and they are investing heavily into the auto centres. Um, and also, uh, there's a new um, there's a new element emerging, which is the servicing of electric cars too. Um, and they're training up uh, staff to uh, make sure that they are up to speed with being able to service those cars. So, um, so you know, the CEO said today, Graham Stapleton, despite the challenging uh, backdrop. Um, He's very excited about future growth, future growth prospects, and I think based on the numbers today and the fact it's been carried over into the second half um, already, um, that's a very good sign. Yes, very, very, very strong, and pleasing to see from and investors obviously that they've got another string to their bow in terms of the the revenue generation with the the car servicing business. But and do you think there's you know the, the potential for the other side of the, the, the business that was maybe stronger during the pandemic to actually drop off now uh, and you know reduce some of that positive impact going forward over the next year. Well, I, I think certainly on on the cycling front and the and and the general storefront. I mean, the, the uh, certainly the uh, the auto centres uh, or sales at the auto centres also. Grew too, and of course, that's the that really is the core business. Um, uh, well, they, they refer to it as retail motoring, and sales at the shops was up seven point seven percent, also. So th- there's th- there's every reason to expect that that will continue. Um, and I think you know once they 
eventually overcome these uh, the supply chain issues with cycle, cycles, I'm sure we'll see cycle sales um, increase again too. Um, certainly, it's a very competitive market, cycle sales, because obviously there's a lot of online sales now where you can order online and uh, the new e-bike phenomenon, which is which is uh, really being rolled out now. So, so I, th- I think there are plenty of opportunities for Halvers to continue selling, and of course. Um, it's it's a it's a big, well trusted brand, a big company, and um, and uh, you know it's it's got a very good position and a great footprint um, across its its core markets. Fantastic. So let's move on now to one company that, that maybe isn't doing as well as uh, the, the prior two. Uh, JD Weatherspoon shares currently down three percent as I look here now. Looking at the uh, the headline figures here, fairly fairly soggy. Uh, in terms of the the sales figures, Alan. Now it, it looks as though that they're really seeing a shift in you know, the, the consumer behaviour as opposed to anything they're doing in, internally. And this is very much down to the pandemic. So, what do those figures looked at like, uh, Alan? Well, it, the, the 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 sales are down. I mean, the sales have fallen uh, nearly nine percent uh, during the first uh, fifteen weeks of the year. Um, um, and uh, you know, sale of bar bar sales, fruit, uh, food sales, and slot machine sales all fell. Um, although uh, the, the hotel, uh, the 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 hotel side of the business uh, sales increased eleven percent there. But at the, at, at the core, what the company's seen is an increase in drinks uh, and younger customers coming into its uh, establishments um uh, cocktail sales up 45% vodka and rum sales up 17% 26% um whereas ales uh, sales of, of ales and beers and of course you know some of the bigger weatherspoons have a fantastic range of ales on offer and uh, we mentioned the cross keys john and bishopsgate where um, both of you and i have frequented in the past and there's Indeed. always a great range on, on sale there and at knockdown prices and uh, you know to be able to go in the city and buy you know, great ales at knockdown prices, you know, um, prices that you sort of probably pay, you know, so in one of the nor- more northerly establishments is fantastic. Um, but nonetheless, um, uh, older customers haven't come in and drunk so much beer and traditional sales are down 30%. Um, so that's a, that's a huge impact across across the board. Um, the Weatherspoon said that... Um, supply chain issues haven't really affected them and um, what they have seen has started to improve um, but uh, but yeah I mean it's uncertain really so I think they've got to uh, look at their business model going forward and find ways to to leverage up sales or to win those ale drinkers back because um, certainly the pandemic's affected behavior and a lot of those older ale drinkers might Still be worried about going to the pub and and drinking beer, which would account for uh, for the fall. Um, you know, maybe once all that, all of that age group have been double vaxxed and had the booster, perhaps they'll feel they'll feel differently. But um, you know, that's quite a that's a, a big fall in sales, and um, whether they can get that back remains to be seen. But certainly, uh, looking at the the uh, share price performance over the year, you know, we're, we're close to year lows now at nine seventy eight p. And if you look at uh, certainly look at the um, the five year chart, we're off these sort of five year lows, um, uh, but uh, n- not by that much. So, um, is there recovery from here? Um, personally, if I were holding the shares, I'd probably continue to hold, um, but uh, I I certainly wouldn't buy them at this level. Yes, I mean it's quite interesting because you have two companies here 
in, in Marks and Spencers and Weatherspoons, which I feel are, are really, you know, taking and losing out business to, to each other because, you know, the, the like-for-like sales in the 15 weeks to the 7th of November for Weatherspoons was some 9% lower than, than 2019, of course, before the pandemic. And, you know, obviously we're probably seeing more people spending time at home, as you said, you know, going to shops like uh, Marks and Spencer's and spending a little bit money, more money there on higher quality as opposed to, to going to the pub. But do, I mean, do you think this is something that could shift back, Alan? Or, or do you think, I mean, this is obviously, a, you know, the million dollar question, massive thing on, on you know, how people are going to behave after the pandemic. But do you, do you feel over time that, you know, we start to see maybe a reduction in, in people spending money on higher quality foods from retailers such as Marks and Spencers and then going back to the pubs and, and spending money um, you know out and about uh, in places like Weatherspoons and then we start to see a little bit of uh, equalization there in the sales of, of those two companies going forwards. Well that's certainly thought but I, I think what Marks and Spencers will do is, is I think their food offering is so good I think they'll continue to take market share from the likes of Waitrose and and uh, you know possibly Sainsbury's too. Um, so I don't think uh, I don't think the pub behaviour will affect that too much, but um, the certainly the return to the pub. I think uh, in time, I'm sure it will happen. I have no doubt. Um, but uh, but of course, you know, people rightly so have been rattled by the pandemic and uh, and the impact it's had. Um, and of course, you can go into a pub and sit down and take your mask off and sit and have a pint. But uh, I think a lot of people who may still have gone to the pub and drunk pints, but may, maybe had uh, a, respir- a respiratory condition or similar, um, we could well see, uh, you know, those, those people may not come back. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it, I certainly wouldn't uh, invest on the basis that those people might come back. Um, some of them will, but uh, I don't think um, they'll need to recoup that loss in sales, I think, from somewhere else, probably the younger drinkers. Indeed, and I think that's going to need a significant shift in uh, in their business model because you know that there's a perception of of, of weather spoons, and you know we, we've seen a shift in in their spirits sales. But to really get people through the door, given the the, the environment for uh, you know leisure drinking here in the UK. Uh, I think there's going to need to be some big changes there at weather spoons. So it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that going forward well, so tim, Alan, now- just to say that actually tim martin the chairman did say that uh, he believes the booster vaccinations and better weather in the spring will have a positive impact but um i mean that's just a generalization really so uh you know he's looking forward and counting on that but um yeah will those drinkers return who knows jury's out um i wouldn't invest on the basis that they will yes i, I mean one thing that i would say about that is the period of these results were actually the majority, if not all, were in a period where there weren't any restrictions on going to the pubs. Uh, you know, they had all been removed largely by then. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that statement there is somewhat hopeful. But we shall, uh, we shall see. So, Alan, now the last uh, stop that we're going to touch on today, one that we have been discussing on the podcast on numerous occasions over the last year. And, uh, and a very interesting company which she had on one of the UK Investor Magazine virtual conferences over the last year, Power Metal Resources. I've, I've seen a flurry of updates from them recently. What are the highlights from them? 
this is a, a relentless growth machine. It, it's uh, it, it's incredible. But of course, as we as we know, Jonathan, I, I, I went to a I went to a lunch yesterday where we had a presentation from a mining company, and we were talking about the the malaise uh, that we've referred to many times in the mining sector. Uh, you know, uh, really since the um, since uh, uh, the the end of the year when. Uh, commodities and precious metals were all were, were trading at highs. We've just seen a, a steady drift downwards, and certainly since the summer, I think everyone expected uh, the mining commodity sector to recover, um, and it's not done that. And I think the power metal chart, uh, um, you know, uh, really illustrates uh, uh, that malaise to to a T. Um, that said, uh, a lot of companies have been fairly inactive during the period. Power metal have been anything but. They've, uh, you know, they've acquired um, they've acquired a new project in Australia. You know, given the course that um, the uh, the project in Australia, well, they have a number of projects in Australia. The new Ballarat uh, Gold Corporation, of course, and uh, FDR, which is the uh, which is the uh, company that uh, owns the projects over. In the Patterson province, um, not far from the well, not far in Australian terms, of course, is several hundred miles, but um, not too far from the Haveran project, which of course was um, discovered by Greatland Gold, um, and uh, those are progressing. So, uh, um, as those companies are being spun off separately, um, uh, Paul Johnson and his team invested into a new Australia Copper Gold opportunity. Um, which is just west of Victoria. It's um, it's uh, it, it's an Aust- uh, copper gold opportunity in southern Australia. We've had updates from the Kalahari Copper Belts. Um, some very strong copper prospects there. Um, the acquisition, of course, in the USA, the Pilot Mountain project from Thor Mining. Um, there's the the sale of um, the assets in Canada, or some of the assets in Canada, in the Hemlo Schreiber Gold Belt to first class metals and that's progressing well so powers uh, realized um realized uh, uh, um about a million pounds in terms of the valuation there um for, from the shares it has in the company um but also it's invested further into the athabasca basin there's um the uh, there's the uh, a, a huge opportunity in uranium in in that area and this morning the company announced that it had Increased its um, its staking and and uh, license, staking for licenses simply because there's so much activity um, from uh, fr- from that region um, and this is what's happening at the moment. It's interesting. We heard this from this company yesterday that um, it, it applied for a license and just to be sure that other uh, other uh, uh, should we say hopeful uh, individuals and companies wouldn't come in. They bought the. The licensed territories surrounding the core asset that they have, and uh, this is what we're seeing now. When companies go in and put stakes into areas, um, they then find a lot of opportunistic uh, investors coming in and buying the buying the land around. So, um, it, the, the, this is uh, Paul and his team have secured the uh, what they believe is a massive uranium asset in the Athabasca Basin, um, increased by another 144 square kilometres to uh, 411 square kilometres, uh, which is, you know, it's a vast territory, a vast territory. And it's a, it, it represents some 54% in their total land holdings. Um, I'm not going to go through all of the projects that Power Metal have, because, uh, of course, we have the all the Botswana projects. We have the projects in the USA, the Golconda project, the um, the uh, the uh, Stonewall project, um, and uh, and the Silver Pay project in in Canada, um, 
but it's just been a relentless news machine. Despite that, the share price has slipped and slipped um, along with other commodity stocks. But there is a sense now that we uh, and some other companies uh, we were speaking to yesterday are saying this, that they're seeing a bottoming out and a floor forming. And I think uh, where Power Metal and many other stocks uh, are now uh, offers a great opportunity to get in, to get in. Really, you know, below the level at which some fundraisings have been undertaken, and particularly with Power Metal, of course, uh, they've raised a lot of money through warrant sales. But the chief executive Paul Johnson has invested a lot of his own money all the way through at levels well in excess of two pence a share, and the shares are currently trading at uh, just under one point seven p. Um, in my opinion, it's bargain basement territory. And when this turns around, um, I've said before, any one of the power metal projects, um, if it comes to fruition, would dwarf the current market cap of the company in, in its entirety. And uh, the company's worth now just 22 million um, sterling, which is ridiculously low for a company with um, 30, uh, with uh, operations uh, all around the world. 14 to 15 different projects, uh, all progressing, some being drilled, some being explored, um, but and and obviously some projects being spun out too. So um, a very exciting year in prospect next year for, two, for Power Metal. I know this. So um, so I, I just think at uh, current levels, it's, um, uh, you know, get it while you can. I mean, just looking here, I'm looking at the metals and mining, AIM metals and mining sector here. Alan, now... Power Metals resource is down 40% on the year. And, you know, th- th- there are a lot of shares that are, that are down in that sector. But there are also some that, that, uh, that are up um, quite significantly. So, I mean, what, what do you think it is that the market isn't happy with at this point in time? Or, or what is it that they're actually waiting for from Power Metal Resources? Because obviously we've, we've listed a full of the, uh, the assets that they're working on, the investments that they've made, and, and some of the great projects that they have. But we we continually see the, especially this year, see the share price slip. I mean, what what do you feel is going to be the catalyst that we see that really gets Power Metal Resources moving back in the right direction for investors? Well, I think it's um, a lot of the companies that have done better are companies actually producing gold or producing actually getting stuff out of the ground of course a, a lot of the power metal projects are early stage they've established the asset they've established uh, it's valuable but um, power metal and uh, they're, they're not a company that will go in and build a mine and set up mining production they're, they're a company that uh, they, they, they discover projects they develop projects and then they'll they'll partner with another company or they'll sell those assets on or spend those off separately and this is a this is a very uh, established business model, and um, you know, Paul is the, is a past master of this, and of course, we see it in other sectors too, with with uh, the pharmaceutical sector and the tech sector. You know, um, uh, a lot of, I mean, a good a good example, of course, is Open Orphan, which early this year spun off Pullback Pharma, uh, and that was a specific asset within Open Orphan that was spun off with the company, um, and now the company is um, up and running and uh, doing very well, and um, and uh, you know, developing. Um, developing uh, phase two clinical assets to sell on to big pharma. So, um, so, so in the, it, 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 it's a it's a good model. But I think the market uh, uh, probably um, at the during that time of uncertainty appreciated um, assets that were actually producing assets rather than exploration assets, um, and that really accounts, I think, for the for the steady uh, slide downwards that we've seen in the power metal share price. But um, 
you know, as I say, with the sheer number of assets it has um, in its portfolio, um, I think uh, it is a case of get it while you can at this level. Indeed, indeed. And as you said, you know, if they're able to spin off and, and capitalise on some of those projects there, I'm, I'm sure that may be the uh, uh, the thing that we need to, to see to start uh, having these shares move back up to the right direction. So just uh, a recap of the equities that we discussed today. First up was Marks and Spencers with a ticker of MKS. Uh, after that was Halfords uh, with a ticker of HF. There was then JD Weatherspoons, ticker JDW, and of course, just now was Power Metal Resources with a ticker of POW. Alan, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, John. Just a note for listeners, uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, 23rd of November, we have our next instalment of our virtual conferences. It's a virtual investor evening starting at five o'clock on the 23rd of November. So do look on the website in our event section to get yourself signed up for that. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.